Hi, I'm Bill Mitchell, host of When Dating Hurts. Two years ago, I launched my Dating Violence podcast. Back then, I knew very little about recording, editing, or uploading to a hosting platform. Frankly, I didn't know what a hosting platform meant. When recording episodes, I needed it to be easy for me and my guests. You see, I was capturing highly emotional personal stories, and I couldn't have guests fiddling around, clicking buttons, starting and stopping over and over again. I launched with Zencaster, and I stayed with them. The reason is, it's just so darn easy. And today's Zencaster lets you record with high-quality audio and video. You can edit and distribute, too, all in one place. No more bouncing around from one platform to another to create your podcast. So, if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code, when dating hurts, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. This is part two of Amy's story on When Dating Hurts. I am consistently impressed how victims like Amy hang in and try to make things better. She gives it all she's got, but Brian isn't having it. This is part two, the final part of Amy's story. Was it worse than grabbing your face and cupping your mouth? Um, no, it never got worse than that. Didn't full out punch you or strangulate no. you? or No, and he was really careful about leaving marks, leaving marks and not putting anything in writing that could be used against him later. So he didn't, he didn't say a lot of things via text message or anything that would be inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to create, we, create evidence, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. He was very aware of that. And, and if I tried to, there were a couple of times when I tried to, to film him, when I tried to take a video and he told me straight up that the state is a two-party state. You don't have my permission. And so it can't be used anywhere. And he was going to call the police if I didn't stop recording. It was pretty brave on your part to go to your phone, right? Hit the video mm -hmm. button and and yeah. you see him in action. Mm -hmm. huh. But, you know, and then he would make me delete the videos because, you know, et cetera. So this is January, mid-January, after all this weeks of fighting. I mean, there was even one one day where... I was getting, I was getting physically ill at this point from the constant stress and anxiety yeah, where understandable. I was nauseous. I was vomiting. I took off work because I was growing up, but it was just from all the stress. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take off work. Finally, I'm going to get to be alone for a little while. And then of course, what does he do? He's, he works from home the next day. So I don't even get that time. And so then I just became sort of like a shell of myself. Of course, he notices and is like, well, what's wrong with you? You're acting like a dead person. You know, and I said, and I confronted him many times. I said, you're, you're abusive. I told, I, he knew that I thought that. And I said, you know, I'm sad because of how things have been going. It's terrible. And he was kind of 
unsettled about that and irritated, I guess is a good word for it. So eventually he kept asking every day, like, what's wrong with you? And I just would say, I'm fine. Eventually I just said, I'm fine. It's fine. Or whatever. Now at this juncture, anybody listening has to be saying, so why don't you get the heck out of there? So at this point in time, why didn't you get the heck out of there? We're what, 13, 14 months into this? Yep. We're about 14 months in. And so there was like a several week period of a lot of fights, a two week period of me feeling like a zombie. And this is when I left at the end of that two week period. And in the meantime, actually, I had been trying to get in with a therapist to talk to somebody about it. I talked to one over the phone and she listened kind of to what I was saying. And she said later in an email, she thinks it's just too heavy for her to take on as a client at that time. So I couldn't even get a therapist to see me. (laughs) In other words, your situation is too heavy or her, she has too heavy a load of patients. No, her, my situation is too emotionally heavy for her to take on. She'd prefer an easier case. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Oh, that's, Um, that's helpful. Yeah. So I was like, well, something's really wrong. If, if a therapist is telling me Yes. Right. You get turned down by a therapist. That's, I, I guess I didn't even think that they could do that unless they were jammed up on their schedule, but yeah, they can just choose, you know, what kind of Mm -hmm. situation they want to take on. Sure. And then the other thing that happened was that one of my friends was unceremoniously kicked out of her home by her own husband during that sort of two week period. And she needed a place to stay. She came to stay with us. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I had my friend That's living with us, basically. Into the fire? Yep. Yep. I so, thought for a moment you were going to say you just switched off. You went over there and she came over here and, and, <laughs> and uh, people could get along for a little bit. But So she well, so she walks right into... Now, she knew your world it was in rough shape, didn't she? She didn't. Oh, she didn't. And I didn't know anything no. about hers either. So the ironic thing is I texted her before she came and told me what was going on. And I texted her with the intention of saying, hey, can I come stay with you for a little while? But before I got that out, she said, hey, I'm so glad you texted me. I need your help. Can I come stay with you? This is uh, stuff of movie scripts. Right? Yeah. And her story is equally interesting. But so I filled her in. Oh, my goodness. And she filled me in. Now, is it possible you were thinking, well, if she's here, maybe he'll cool it for a while? Was that anything in your head like that? Yes. And then I thought, you know, I can hang in there for another however long it takes her to get on her feet. You know, I can manage it. It's kind of what I was thinking in my head. Okay. And he did cool it while she was there. Oh, Um, that's good. Yeah. And then... And it gave you someone you could talk with without having an argument. Yes. So that's... Yep. That's an upgrade. Yeah. So then it was a Saturday and I finally started feeling better and got the energy up to just confront him about everything after this kind of two week period of feeling like a zombie and recovering from all this, you know, Mm -hmm. arguing as a last ditch effort, I brought it up to him and I said, Hey, you know, the reason why I really haven't been myself is because I just cannot take how you treat me during fights. I just can't do it anymore. It's killing me basically. Mm -hmm. And of course he immediately flips the script like, you've been lying to me for the past two weeks, you know, when I told him I was fine. Oh, oh, oh. I didn't even think that. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah, it's creative, <laughs> right? So, clever. <laughs> so then we don't even get to the, the point of what I want to talk about. Oh, let's talk about you lying to me. And you 14 days straight, at least, you've been yeah. telling yeah. me you're okay, you're not okay. How am I supposed to yeah. deal with someone who can't even tell me the truth about something as basic as that? 
No, exactly. And I said, you know, I was scared to tell you because I didn't want to start another fight. But of course, it starts a fight. It's the same kind of stuff. And at this point, I, I already knew that I kind of, you know, I expected it to go this way and I knew I needed to leave. But I needed to make it through the night because my daughter was there and my friend was there. Mm. And my daughter had not really seen a lot of what was going on. And I didn't want her to be put through the trauma of trying to evacuate our house in the middle of the night mm. Mm. with him yelling at me or whatever was going on. Sure, so, sure. But the other thing was he didn't want to yell because my friend was there. So he's more quietly arguing with me. Kind of a whisper yell. Yeah, like still aggressive and calling me names and all the usual stuff. At some point during that month that we were arguing a lot, he literally told me, I hope you get raped and murdered. Oh. It's the most awful things. So at mm. some point during that night, he told me that he had been building a case against me for months with his lawyer. And he had audio and video evidence or whatever he wanted to call it that he was going to use against me for some sort of God knows. By what. the way, in the same state where you have to have two people yes. say that yeah, you can do exactly. that. Yeah. I like how that turned mm -hmm. around. And so I just lost it and I started sobbing and I'm like, what is going on? So I run into the bathroom and collapse on the floor. Right. And he runs in and he puts his hand over my mouth and says, if you don't stop crying so loud, I'm going to call the cops and have you removed. Yeah. Mm. So, <sighs> you know, I calmed myself down. And he eventually calmed down and we went to sleep. And I texted my friend in the middle of the night and said, hey, things have gone south. And I'm sure she could understand that this was coming. And you're going to need to take your stuff with you to work tomorrow because we can't come back here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to go. And she said, okay. So the next morning, you know, he can sense that something's wrong because he's very observant. Mm. I take my daughter to drop her off with her dad because I didn't want her to see anything that was going to happen. His daughter is now there at the house. I said, I'm leaving. I'm going to go pack up my things and I'm going to leave. He wanted to have a conversation about it. And so, you know, I said, I'll sit down with you for a little bit, but, you know, I really need to go and we can have a conversation about the logistics of what's going to happen moving forward with the house. And but that wasn't what the conversation was that he wanted to have. So he essentially for five hours kept me in the house physically. And if you tried to get up, he would block you and you'd sit down again? He would literally pick me up off the floor and put me somewhere and then sit on me. Sit on you. Or lay on me or something like that. And, and it was really, really eerie because he wasn't yelling and he wasn't angry, but he was doing this thing where he would like gently caress my face and say, honey, I just can't let you do this. I just can't let you do this to our family. And it, it felt in my gut like that part of the Lifetime movie right before he kills you, you know? Yes, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't going to say anything. Well, that's what I thought in my head at the time. And so I, I got really scared because I wasn't expecting that reaction. Yeah, that's twisted. Yeah. And so, and then he was trying to give me all these reasons, right, that I should stay. And it went from one, bounced from one thing to the another when it wasn't working. You know, he was going to get an engagement ring, which I don't care. I'm leaving, right? He's, his daughter was upset. She doesn't even know what's happening. She was in her room separate. He knows he's broken. He knows he needs help whatever I want. If, if I want him to go to therapy and I want to have control over his therapy and control over his medication, that's fine. You mm -hmm. know, I just kept repeating myself. I have to go. I'm going to get up and leave. I realized he wasn't letting me go and he wasn't letting me out of arm's reach. And I would try to test it. Like I was saying, I'm going to go to the bathroom and he would come in with me. Oh, really? 
Yeah. And so <sighs> in, in the times that he wasn't looking, I would text my friend and say, he's not letting me go. So a few hours in, she called the police and they show up at the door and he was like, shut off all the lights. Don't go near the windows. They can't come in. Make like we're not here. Yep. Make like we're not here. They can't come in. They don't have a reason to come in. And, and then of course he's like, if you let them in, you know, my daughter is going to be traumatized seeing me carted off in handcuffs kind of thing. Mm. And then he said, I promise if they go away, I will let you go. And so eventually he agreed to let me go talk to the police. And, you know, of course I did what he said. I told him it was fine. I said, I will be leaving shortly. They said, okay, if you need to, and I said, I don't want to make a scene in front of the child that's in the house. And they said, okay, if you need us, call us back. So they left. And he did let me leave a little while after that. Oh, but he made me promise I'm to. I'm surprised. Well, and he made me promise I was going to come back in a couple of days. And I did at the end of this long endeavor of trying to leave. I just started saying whatever. You know, I'm just upset. I just need a couple of days to clear my head. I just need some space, you know, see you in a couple of days, whatever, hmm. whatever it took. <laughs> sure. Just give me the key to the door. Yeah. Whatever you want to so, hear. Yeah. We'll cut the, right. cut the key. And, yes. So he did. He he said, okay, well, I'll see you in two days. Let me know what hotel you're staying at, blah, blah, blah. So I, I left. I turned off my location services, I, you know, all the thing. My friend had gotten us a hotel. So yeah, that is how I left. He subsequently drained our entire savings account the day after I left, oh. which I know is, is very common. And from listening to your podcast and your guests, yeah. I realized I, yeah, I should have been a little bit better prepared for what was coming because... They don't think like we do. And, you know, I underestimated what was going to happen. Yeah, there's nothing about play fair in any of this, of course. Yes. Which is so yes. naive to even say that. But, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and you don't think, you don't think, no. you know, but no. they're unpredictable and, and they're vindictive. So, yes. The When Dating Hurts podcast is supported by Cure Hydration. The purpose of the When Dating Hurts podcast is for us to achieve healthier relationships in life. The purpose of Cure is to help achieve healthier hydration routines. Dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue. Even mild dehydration can cause muscle weakness and brain fog. I feel it when I'm playing pickleball for hours and water doesn't do enough. I was excited when I discovered Cure. It's an electrolyte packet that hydrates just as effectively as an IV drip. Cure packets are convenient and easy to use. Just mix them with water, then drink. Pretty perfect when you're on the go, or traveling, or really anytime you need a fast hydration boost. Cure helps your body absorb water and rehydrate quickly, and Cure comes in a bunch of delicious flavors. Just mix Cure in 8 to 16 ounces of water, and you're good to go. Try Cure soon, and you'll feel the difference. Head to curehydration.com, and when you check out, Add my discount code when dating hurts one, all one word, no spaces, when dating hurts one, and you'll get 20% off your order of cure, cure hydration with cure. And, and also he changed the locks and he wouldn't let me come get the rest of my stuff from the house, which I own <laughs> with him. So, you know, I was moving into an apartment. I needed to get my stuff. I needed to get my daughter's stuff. Luckily I had a credit card from before that I wasn't using anymore. So it has zero balance and, and I could use that for whatever I needed in the meantime. He just gave me hell over the course of the next week, trying to get my stuff back out of the house. I had to get the cops there. 
he eventually agreed to let them in and let me in to collect my stuff because they threatened to charge him with theft. And he gave me 15 minutes to get furniture, whatever I needed for my apartment from the house. Plenty of time. Plenty of time, right? And then he set a timer and tried to get the cops to remove me, you know, when the timer went off. Did the cops appear? They were there the whole time. So they were probably arguing with him for an hour before he let us into the house. And, you know, they, they told him like, hey, she's just getting, just relax. Just let her get the last couple of things or whatever. And so, yeah. So I got the essentials for moving in and, and making it comfortable for me and my daughter. But then I had the rest of my furniture there, the rest of the stuff that you can't grab in 15 minutes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And at that point, I had had enough space to really start to reflect on what was really going on. And I had an old friend who was a police officer, is a police officer. And one of my other friends said, why don't you call him just to see what are your rights here and, and what does he think you should do? So I called him and I explained it. And he said, you need to go, you need to go file charges and you need to get a protective order. Oh. And I did. The temporary protective order was granted. And I did ask that he be removed from the home during that time. So I had a week between the temporary and the final protective order hearing to move completely out of the house, which I did. But when I arrived back at the house, I found maybe 30% of my clothes were not there. Clothes and shoes were just missing. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That stuff I'm never Was it the stuff that you would really want? It was like the best was gone? Stuff that I would wear all the time, you know? Okay. Stuff that was like, you know, my favorite kind of stuff. All of my t-shirts were gone, every single one. Now, all of this just went down, I'd have to guess, what, 10 weeks ago, roughly Mm -hmm. speaking? Yep. So this is, you know, this is fresh stuff. You know, a lot of people I speak with, they're talking about things from three years ago, seven years ago. This is practically yesterday. Yeah, it's it's very recent. So, yeah, still sort of moving through the aftermath of this. How entangled are you still? I mean, the house probably hasn't been sold yet, has it really? Correct. So the only thing left is for for him to either buy me out of the house or for the house to be sold. We each have retained attorneys for, you know, going back and forth on that. Do you have any sense of how that might go? He's pretty motivated to to stay in the house. So, but, you know, the settling on a price of buying me out has sort of been problematic. Wherever the house is, that would be a lot of money. It is. Yeah, it is. It's one thing to buy a house over the course of theoretically, you know, 20 or 30 years. Another thing for somebody to come up with a check of, I'll just guess, a quarter of a million dollars, $300,000. I don't know what it is. None of my business, but Mm -hmm. not too many people can produce a check like that. Yes. And I totally agree with that. He did tell me before we, before I left that he had a HELOC already taken out that he was paying down to buy me out of the house. He had a HELOC. What in girth is that? Home equity line of credit. Oh, oh, I haven't heard of a HELOC. So he made it sound like he was going to buy me out anyway, just so it wasn't like, hanging over his head kind of thing. And he had it all ready to go. But either that was a lie or he's just not paying it out at this point. I don't know. I was able, which is apparently a miracle, to get back half of the money out of the savings. And that was just the wit and quick thinking of my attorney for the protective order that got me that back because he was not wanting to give that back at all. I did get that back. He consented to the protective order. And my thoughts on that or what I've been told is that he didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize the criminal case that was looming against him after that. So there is a case, a criminal case against him that's looming, you're saying? So I did file charges 
for assault and false imprisonment, uh, criminal charges. Oh, okay. And the assault was, I understand the false imprisonment, keeping you there at the house all those hours. Mm -hmm. That's what you're referring to? Correct. So the assault, which, what is that? Is that the so anytime, grabbing your face? Yeah. Anytime he put his hands on me to include the false imprisonment because it was unwanted physical contact. Okay. So any of those things were included and I just filed it all under the same thing. That case has already happened. He made a plea deal where he's going to be on probation, to, I guess, to avoid me testifying. I don't, I don't know what the, you know, the concern, I mean, I didn't have physical evidence, honestly. So I was nervous going into it that nothing was going to happen, but at least someone might, you know, he's held accountable enough that he has to show up in court. Anyway, so so luckily that I didn't have to testify and he sort of made a plea deal where he's going to face some kind of consequences for that. I'm curious if uh, somewhere along the way in the 14 or 15 months, you know, since you know the whole time that you were an item, so to speak, one way yeah. or another, the early stages living together and now, you know, you're out of there, thank God. But did you ever let your other family members in on this? You know, were they getting the play by play or did you just kind of like, I don't, I just don't want them to even know this is so crazy or how much did you share? Yeah. So I'm not super close with my, my own family and my mother has passed and my stepdad passed, you know, those would be oh, the people really? I would have told. Yeah. Okay. Huh, I'm so, sorry. Yeah. So I, I am relatively actually close with my, my ex-husband's family because we were together for so long and they see me all the time with my daughter. Okay. So they're like a, they're like a family to me. So they, they and my friends knew about that first incident with the protective order. Okay. And then they knew that we got back together. And then after that, I sort of didn't sort of divulge any of the, the problems because of course, then they're going to be disappointed that I mm -hmm. made the decision to get back together when we knew it was probably not the right decision. I didn't want to deal with that conversation. Right. That's totally understandable. You know, yep. It's hard to explain everything to people. So sometimes it's just better off not to give them every little piece of what's going on and things. Yeah. But did you ever at any point in any of this call up a domestic violence agency or call the hotline? I did. I, oh, I tried good. to call twice before I ended up pressing charges and there was no answer and no returned call. But this was the local, the local um, domestic violence shelter okay. for, for women and stuff. So okay. uh, I don't think I, I didn't call the national hotline, but I did try to call them first and there was just no response. So I was sort of yeah, I don't even understand um, it. You say yeah. no response. You mean no one picked up the line or you left a message and nothing happened? No one picked up the line. And and the first time I did leave a message, I mean, it rang and no one picked up. So I left a message and nobody returned my call. Yeah, that's a feel good time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And one of them is like a 24-hour hotline. So you would think there would be oh, no. oh. manning the phone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah I so spoke with somebody recently. And this was actually, this person was not in the United States, but still she went to a domestic violence agency. She sat down and told her whole story. They worked out an escape plan, but on the other hand, they really couldn't take her case because they just had such a backlog. Yeah. And she said, I never thought of that because it took her a long time to work up the courage mm -hmm. to actually go in and talk to a domestic violence agency and then to wind up walking out of there with nothing but the early stages of an escape plan you know, where to put her passport in this case. And as you did having a, a visa card or MasterCard mm -hmm. somewhere. So you did have access to some money because that guy also went after all the bank accounts and wiped everything out just yeah. like yours. So. Yeah, yeah that's common, uh, you know, and the lawyers said that's common and I was very lucky to get anything 
anything back from that. That doesn't usually happen. That's what I've been told. Right. Yeah. I am surprised you did get that back. That's, that's one in the wind column. Yeah, that, it was a zero. That was worth every penny. <laughs> That's right. So I'm I'm also wondering, you know, my podcast has been around for a couple of years. Did you hear it somewhere in the midst of when you were going through all this, or did you just catch on to it since you've been out of that that guy's world? You were on. This is actually happening. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So yes. I I was listening to that podcast in the midst of everything, and I heard you on there. Then after everything ended. I was sort of in a space where I wanted to learn more and hear more about this kind of thing. And so I just stumbled on your podcast and then recognized you from the other podcast. And that's how I that Bill guy. started listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there were, there were other things looking back. And I think a couple of your other guests have mentioned this, like his mother one time, the first time I met his mother, which was maybe six months in, we stayed there for a long weekend and, and she's, made a comment to me that something to the effect of, you know, you're such a nice person. I would hate to think he would be emotionally abusive, or I hope he's not emotionally abusive because you're so nice. She knew the the type of guy he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but at the same time, he had set it up to seem like his mother was abusive to him and as a child. And that's why they had this tumultuous relationship where they didn't get along. And so it's, you know, at that point, you don't know what to believe because he sort of sets it up to look like it was somebody else. Don't listen carefully to my mother because <laughs> she was made my life a living hell when I was growing up. And then, yep. you know, if he ever did admit to any of his behavior, well, look at the house I grew up in. Mm-hmm. No idea what it was like with my mother and father and yep. the things she used to do or the things he used to do to her or the things they used to do with each other. You know, I came from a war zone. So right? yeah, exactly. those old tapes are still playing in my head. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of sympathy from me. I mean, when it's all said and done, the guy's still perfectly innocent, mm-hmm. you know, in his own, in his mind, yeah, his own self-created world. Yep. So yeah, exactly. you got a you got a good course in gaslighting. You could <laughs> you could write a book on gaslighting. Yeah, it was, and it got pretty creative. Um, and it was like arguing with an attorney. You know, they they put you in a corner, and it's just hard to get out of. Yeah, it's almost like the only way we're going to get along is again. I agree with you. And then all of a sudden you stop bothering me. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe for a little while. Or we move on to the next thing the next, I have to agree to. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the small, you know, whatever it was that made you upset. It was like, I, I wrote down in my diary one time, the reasons we were fighting because they were so ridiculous. And, <laughs> you know, and I wanted to remember because I'm like, I can't even remember what started this. Such a small such a small thing, you know, it seemed like all the time. Where'd you keep the diary so he wasn't reading it? So I kept it on my phone on a password protected app. Wow, look at that. With a different different password than my regular phone code. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my recent guests, you maybe heard it, one of my recent guests was keeping track of all the different things that were going on. And part of what she must have learned from a domestic violence agency was to constantly change the password on your email. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that particular podcast, but as yep, it turns out, somehow he had a way of cracking the code so he, he could keep up with the changes. And I know there are apps out there that keep track of all your keystrokes. So I guess he could go back and look at the keystrokes and say, oh, wow. look, you know, she went on to, you know, Outlook or, or a Gmail, I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, look, she went on Gmail and then she put this in, this in. Oh, okay. That must be the password du jour. So he would then go in and he could read all the emails. And it's like, oh, wow. 
they will go to great lengths. I mean, I, I, I wasn't as nervous about that, although it's, you know, of course you hear all these things from other guests and you're like, well, that's a new fear unlocked, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he hasn't done that. As far as I know, there haven't, hasn't been any um, stalking or anything like that, that I can tell. I think it's, you know, for me, the protective order works because he is very motivated not to do anything that's going to jeopardize his custody. So he is motivated not to be in trouble with the law and to keep his head down in that respect. And police record. Mm-hmm. Yep. Most people don't really want one. Have you ever been in touch with his ex? You know what? I did at one point because we wanted to take a family vacation and she wasn't going to allow it. And he and she can only communicate uh, written, you know, they don't talk on the phone or anything. They have very strict agreements. I agreed to try to talk to her and reason with her about it. And when I spoke to her, she was very reasonable. She was very thankful that I was also reasonable to speak with. And, and she would say, it's been wonderful working with you on this. You know, thank you. And she was just very kind to me. And, and this was via email. And I have not contacted her since we broke up, and I have not heard from her or asked her anything about their relationship specifically. And so I don't know from her end what their relationship looked like. Of course, it was painted to me like she was crazy, which I think is the typical scenario. He's just unlucky. He keeps running into these crazy women, <laughs> you included, yeah. right? Yeah. And well, and the other thing he told me was that other than her and I, he had very fulfilling relationships with very little conflict in between. Mm -hmm. So he made it out to be that he could have normal relationships that were sustained. It was just unlucky with me. The last, with, the, <laughs> with you and the previous. Just me and the other one and his mother, right? So, and he actually, a couple times later in the, at the end of the relationship, he called me his ex-wife's name during arguments. That happened, I think, twice. That slipped out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's very telling. Yeah. That's projecting. very telling. Yeah. You became the same person. Yeah. And it was not good for me. To be her. Right? Uh, so. The When Dating Hurts podcast is supported by Blendjet. Big, bulky blenders are a real pain to use. But the Blendjet 2 blender makes blending a snap. I'm using mine several times a day. Convenience is the reason why. The Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It can fit into your cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. And Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Blendjet lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap, and you're good to go. With over 30-plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement any style. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Seriously, what are you waiting for? No other blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Head to Blendjet.com and use the promo code WHENDATINGHURTS12 for your 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. That's Blendjet.
Well, so Amy, is there anything else you want to slide in here as we kind of get to the end and any other piece of advice or, or just some takeaway points for us? Is there anything you have on your mind that you wanted to tell us? You know, I think, you know, we've said most of it. It's so hard when you're in the relationship and, you know, you don't feel like nobody understands. But my, my stepdad, before he passed, he left me this voicemail. And this was not related to this relationship. He just, I guess, imparting some wisdom. But he left me this voicemail that stuck with me. And he said, you know, Amy, sometimes it might look like there's not a choice, but there's always a choice. And so when you get in these relationships, you feel like, oh, I'm stuck. You know, I've got all this money and stuff tied up in this relationship. And, you know, is it worth just dealing with it? And then what I thought was, number one, I do have a choice. And number two, can I live like this for the rest of my life? And the answer was no, I absolutely cannot. And so that was when I said, you know what, then I just have to cut it and go and and say that was a year and a half lost of when I could have been doing something more productive, but better than 20, 30 years of being in that. So I'll take, I'll cut my losses and, and, and be better off in, in the long run. And as you well know, there are a lot of people who they just try to crawl their way through today and then they get to tomorrow and they just crawl their way and then that's weeks and that's months mm-hmm. and that's years and it just keeps going. And I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, we all have our little ways of making decisions. And one of the ways that I think about is ask yourself, if you have a tough decision today, and this could be about this subject or any subject, but if you have a tough decision to make, ask yourself, if I go this way or that way, how will I feel about it six months from now or a year from now? Is it a really big deal? Will I kick myself because I didn't do this? Or like you're saying, you know, you sort of project out, like, do you think you can keep this up? You know, you got this crazy situation and anything can trigger the bomb going off with this mm-hmm. person. And one of the questions I asked somebody one time, and it actually it was it was a high school senior who was dating a guy, and he was all kinds of abusive, even as a high school senior. He had all kinds of things he used to pull, where he's going to take her to the prom. No, he's not. And then he is. No, he's mm-hmm. not, depending on how she put up with mm-hmm. his his grief. I talked with her over the phone. Her mother got her at some point to agree to speak with me. And it just occurred to me on the phone call, I knew a lot about the relationship. I knew a lot about the guy from the mother telling me, but we walked through all that stuff. And I said to her, let me ask you this, you know, you are going to be going to college next year and your mother's told me all these wonderful things about you and you're an A student, you got your whole future. When you think of this guy, do you think at the ripe old age of 18 in her case, that when you look ahead in your life, do you think this guy represents the best you can do? Do you think that he would be a good person to know through your college life? Do you think one day it would would be great to be married to somebody like this, perhaps? I'm not saying you would be, Mm -hmm. because when you get married, problems come along. And I've heard about some of the ways that he handles difficult situations, which isn't good the way he did it. How about maybe, not that everybody does, having children? A lot of problems come with having children. A lot of, it's tiring to have children. You know, they, they don't, they don't cry at convenient times. You know, they don't go to bed when you want them to all the time. And I said, but do you think this guy is the one you want to be hitched to for year after year after year? And she started to speak and I said, no, 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 don't answer me. That's for you to think about. Don't tell your mom. Don't tell me. 
think about it. Is he the best that you can do considering how precious you are and how much you have going for you? Do you think that he's the one? Is he the vehicle to take you from 18 to, I don't know, 80, maybe 90 years old? Mm -hmm. I mean, all those years. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I had not been kind of set up for this relationship as, as, as people say, if, you know, you had abusive past or whatever. And I work in a, in healthcare and I, I'm very aware of, of abuse and it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. Yes, it does get worse. And so, you know, you think like, oh, that's not going to happen to me, right? That's not going to happen to me. And then here we are. And I'm like, oh my God. And, and you realize like it can happen to anyone. You know, I'm glad that I got out of it before it got worse because I know it would have, and I don't know how much worse it would have gotten. But yeah, I think you're right. You got to decide, is this a long-term plan that you can live with if it didn't change? Can you live with this? Mm -hmm. If it stayed exactly the same every single day? My, of course, my answer was absolutely not. Right. And, and a lot of people, I think my daughter was that type of person, that if she, if she were dating a guy and there were difficulties, she would figure that if you hang in there long enough, you'll be able to kind of solve them and keep going. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's wonderful. It just doesn't happen that often. Yes. It can happen, but the percentages are so small. One of the questions that I've asked domestic violence counselors is what percentage of people who are serial abusers going from one woman to the next, let's say, you know, guys who are serial abusers, mm -hmm. what percentage of them would you say, get over it, you know, get past it, finally reach the point where it's like, wow, uh, I can't do this. This is awful. This is not the me I want to be. And the answer comes out to be maybe if you're lucky, 3% yeah. will actually change. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you look at those odds. If you start seeing the warning signs and you don't like what you're feeling in your gut and your friends are saying, I don't know about this guy. This guy really worries me. If all these things are pointing to this isn't going to do it, all I can say is get out before you get in too deep. I mean, you just, you had a few opportunities to get out and you mm -hmm. kept giving another chance, another chance, another chance. And then things yeah. really got, you know, the quicksand really pulls you down. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And you just have to, you just have to give it up at some point and say, it's not going to change. And you know, in your heart, it's not, but you just got to get to that point where you're just done and, and you're never going to look back. And I think for me, I'm, it's good that we're, we have a no contact order because I'm like, I don't know, could he have roped me back in if I let him talk to me again, you know? And so it's best just to go completely no contact to just let it go. You're not going to be friends with him. It's not like other relationships where you can be friends. It's not going to happen. Does no contact mean not even phone calls? He cannot contact me in any form. Okay. No mail, no email, no texts, no phone calls, no nothing, no having other people harass me. He has no contact. So we only can contact each other through a third party or our lawyers. What would be an example of a third party? So for example, I have contacted his sister to get his attorney's information when I needed it. Oh, okay. And things that come up with the house, okay. you know, like if anything, I, you know, if I get an email that I don't think he's going to receive regarding the house or something like that, I'll, I'll pass it through her and she makes sure he gets it. And, and he has not tried to contact me in any way. It's just been me, you know, passing along information. I could send it to him directly, but I just don't want to even open a door for any, any backlash from that. Yeah, that's wise. Very wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Amy, look, thank you very much. I'm so glad that you approached me and we could pull this together so quickly. 
I don't think that too many people I've spoken with are still in the midst of a situation, which you are. I mean, you're on the you're on the downside of the hill, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope it stays very steady for you and things make sense and you can just move on and whatever that represents. You know, you really are amazingly positive person considering the bumpy road that you've experienced for so long. And I just, uh, I, I admire you so much. And I just, it was a real, uh, it's an honor to speak with you. You know, it's really wonderful. And I, and I know that a lot of people listening to this will identify with it. You know, I think you, there's a lot of good advice throughout our chat today. Thank you. Yeah. And, and that's the hope that somebody can identify with it and, and not feel so alone, you know? So I'm really grateful to be on here and, and thank you so much Bill, for, for everything that you do. It's really it's very meaningful and it really does make a difference. Yeah, that was always the intent. And and it's good to hear that. It really gives me a lot of energy to keep doing this. So thank you so much. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Stay in touch. Thank you. Bye. After I turned the recording off, Amy told me that her boyfriend would come up from behind her, put his hand over her mouth, and pinch her nose. Obviously, she couldn't breathe. He wouldn't let go until she would tap out, meaning ask to be let go. Then he'd still hold on for a while before letting go. This was the conclusion of Amy's story. She is on her way to turning the page on Brian and heading to brighter days. I'd like to thank my guests and my listening audience for their support. It is clear our listeners look for and play Survivor episodes above all others. They get caught up between the forces of good and evil, all the time pulling for the moment a victim becomes a survivor. I am open to other victims and survivors who want to join with me on the When Dating Hurts podcast. We can shine a bright light on the epidemic of dating and domestic violence. We can improve lives and save some innocent people from a lifetime of broken dreams. If you want to tell your victim or survivor story, please contact me at BillMitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. That's BillMitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast.